And then he, he said, Private, that's not camembert. Oh, it's... <laughs> that's my mother. Ah! <laughs> uh, Cheese knife did the job, though. Yeah. Did the job. Yeah. Got to admire the craftsmanship. Mm. Mm. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome to another... You sounded like that kid. You know, in the, the, the Instagram video, he's running around saying good morning to everyone. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Hi. <laughs> That was wonderful. Could you could you greet me like that every time we see each other from now on? No. Great. Welcome to Big Damn Cast. Nerdy news, geeky gossip, things have happened this week. The fuck? Uh, and you're all looking at the thumbnail going, Marvel again? Really? Well, someone else release a thing. I'm Marvel again? I'm Chris. Restore the please give me something else averse just for the sake of the algorithm, Johnson. And I am your guide through these multiverses. <laughs> Do we ponder the question? What the fuck? <laughs> Welcome everyone. Hi. What? Hell. Uh, there's a few hey. bits of news that have come out since. Have we got any emails we're going to cover this week, uh, or are we saving for next week? I don't believe week? we have. Let me double check while you're telling me about bits of news that have happened. First bit of news I really want to bring up because it's kind of magical, and I want your opinion on it because it? Uh, it came out while uh, I was away and you were not away, but we were away from each other as a result because of that. Uh, Jamie Clayton has been cast as Pinhead. In yeah. the Hellraiser reboot for Hulu. Yeah. This is some really interesting casting. This is a really, really interesting take. Because, as someone who knows is Clive Barker, what can you tell us about Pinhead on paper in the original book? Um, well, they're not called Pinhead for one thing. That's true. Uh, I'm not even sure if they've got nails in there. And they have. It's been a while since I've read The Hellbound Heart. What you're hearing here, listeners, is someone who is aware of the source material enough and enjoys it enough and has no hatred in his heart in an unnecessary way that his first reaction was, oh, I don't even know if the character's called the same, but yeah, la la la, instead of what yeah. other people have said on the internet. Yeah, of course. Which is, they've cast a woman as Pinhead? Oh no, terrible. Because that's Who the thing. Cares? In the original book, in, 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 was it Hellbound Goblin? Hellbound Heart. Hellbound Heart. Heart. Um, Pinhead's androgynous. Yeah. Pinhead is... Seemingly genderless and non-specified. Yeah, they don't actually t tell you that much about Pinhead in the in the book. The reason that character is considered male by this sudden angry sex on the internet is because Doug Bradley played Pinhead in the movies, uh, you know, first actor to play in the movies, and did a great job and it was a very iconic performance, and you know, like it. And then people... kept coming back for endless sequels. Yeah, but like people, you know, they associate him with the role. So yeah. there you go. The role is not. A copy-paste of Doug Bradley. If anything, doing that, like they did for, I guess, the, the prequel slash reboot of it all originally, yeah. doesn't really result in anything worth talking about. No. This time, they cast an actress. Yep. And specifically, because of course people started digging into this in a horrible way, unnecessarily, a trans actress. Which, oh, if okay. anything, adds even more to adapting the source material more accurately when the character was androgynous okay. and yet seemingly... Of both genders, as it was mostly written at the time, like, you know, black and white that way. Like, so, and Clive Barker's working on this too. 
He's part of it. Yes. So yes. Clive Barker has gone. For the first she time will be since Hellraiser <laughs> two. But he's gone. She will be perfect in the role. The guy who created the role, like on paper, the guy who made the movie with this character first appearing on like celluloid, has gone. She's going to be incredible. I can't wait for you all to see her. And the fan base, scare quotes, for Hellraiser are so annoyed. And they're annoyed. It can't be a WOM. Don't let it be a WOM. It's like, guys, shut the fuck up. Sit the fuck down. If you are that delicately affected by this, don't watch it. But furthermore, do you remember what Hellraiser's about? Yeah, I mean, like, (laughs) come on. Come on. It's, it's not some kind of like, oh no, it's gotta be like you can you can kinda see I don't agree with them, and they're all wrong and they're fucking obnoxious. But you can kinda see why some people who hated uh Masters of the Universe Revelation were annoyed that there wasn't as much He-Man in it. Cause if to them, that's what they associated with Masters of the Universe. It's He-Man, he's the yeah. star. Yeah. So I kinda get it to a degree. The fact that the series doesn't have his name in the title anyway, was a giveaway that it wasn't going to be solely about him. Yeah. And if you watch the fucking thing, it is about him. It's about the effect his lie has had on the people around him when everything goes to shit. It's all about him. He's just not in it. Fuck's sake. But anyway, you can see why some people are like, oh, I like it because of the swords and sorcery and the big bulging muscles, Conan-esque yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And it didn't have that. And I'm, I'm, I, I didn't enjoy it because it didn't have that in it. Fair enough. But it's like, what is Hellraiser about, Matt? If you could sum it up in a sentence, the hell is Hellraiser as a concept about? Kinky demons have come for your soul. But surely this kinky demon, like, has got to be sort of a macho guy, right? He's going to be a macho man. Yeah, macho man in a yeah. lot of fucking skirt. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, but, but surely, surely him having a penis is a key part. Of, I wouldn't be par- sure character. that he still has a penis. Well, okay, but like, surely, um, surely the fact that he identifies as male is is dead set in stone, right? I'm and not sure that he identifies as anything. See, basically, we're being sarcastic about the thing. It's it's if you have if you've taken offense, I'm so annoyed. If you have taken offense, and I'm not even a Hellraiser fanboy myself. Yeah. If you have taken offense to the casting of Jamie Clayton in the role of Pinhead in a reboot by its creator. Like the creator's given it the well, blessing and is looking is shepherding this project, like is producing it and looking after it, and created the characters like the, the character is based on in the first place. If you really take offense to the fact that it is now a female performer in that role, grow the fuck up. Doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't also, matter. And if you take even further offense that it's a, a trans actress in the role, oh god. You're a scumbag, sit the fuck down, stop being so judgmental and piss off. Anyway. <laughs> also, there's precedent for this. Do do present, in good the, sir. In the Boom Studios Hellraiser comic series. Yes. Which yeah, I, even I'm aware of this shit. Was yeah. involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirsty from the original film, yep. takes over as Pinhead for yes. a while. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. So there is, you know... And all these hardcore fanboys, they, they, they've definitely read the they've comics, right? Read they've the absolutely read the comics. comics. Um, uh, but it's not Kirsty, it's Pinhead, and it just changes to who Why? Why are you guys so scared of women? <coughs> why are you so scared of them? Like, think about that. they're not monsters, they're human beings. Why are you like this? 
I mean, be scared of women because they're super powerful no, and Chris, absolutely deserve the earth. Why are you like this? Do you hear that? I was virtue signaling, apparently. Oh, right. Okay. Cool, cool, my, cool, cool, my, cool, cool, my bisexual cool. ass was virtue signaling cool. to women. Yeah. Cool, 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 okay. cool, 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 cool. Tell me more about your bisexual ass. Well. <laughs> you, know, you know that when my asshole puckers, it goes, wow. As we established in a text <laughs> yeah, okay, conversation cool, cool, before you cool. arrived. Yeah, all right. Um, all right. Uh, do you know what else made me go, wow, but in a confused way? Oh, okay, okay go on. Last go week, on. while we were not recording, Doctor Who had a social media media blackout and by social media oh, blackout yeah, this is fucking weird. i mean all of the accounts twitter facebook page instagram matt's phone which just fell off of a shelf uh which is kind of eerie i'm okay um <laughs> uh, all of them vanished yeah this is i don't get this at all which got the fan base talking which got it trending because everyone was like what's happening what's going on why is this happening how do we get trending or oh, we take all our social media offline or oh, what's that get oh uh, and that'll direct people to us right well no because we've Taking it all up. Well, here's my issue. When it came back, it was apparent the reason they did it was to get everyone's attention and then go, here's the announcement for Series 13, which is not called Series 13. We're going, we're going back to freaking, was it Series uh, uh, 16 style now? Season 16 and, and Season 23. It's not called Doctor Who Season 13. Series 13. It's Doctor Who Flux. Flux? Um, we got a weird little teaser on TV that was then on the internet with... Of, Jody like talking to camera saying, "Hey, there's shit going down. Santarans, weeping angels, we've got to help by." It's not a trailer. It's still, it's a, it's a cool promotional stunt. That little trailer showing up on TV, like sure, whatever. We don't but it's trailers not trailers anymore. But Chris. it's not a trailer. But and the artwork looks great. Like I think the promo art looks really, really cool. The Doctor on the yellow, on the yellow orange background. The rainbow graphics still being part of like how it's designed. I love the Doctor on the um, yellow background. That's very true. Um, I've read your your diary, your very specific diary about Doctors on backgrounds. Um, June 29th. <laughs> today, I love the Doctor on a yellow background. Today, I think it looks really good. I saw a picture of Peter Cushing leaning against a, an off off white wall, yeah. and I must say. It did make my heart sewer. Peter Davidson, I think, suits a puce background. It does. Really makes the beige pop. Yeah. Um, so... Nut brown for Tom Baker. Nut good brown ale. for Tom Like a cut. <laughs> Curry sauce all over your anus. Delish. Uh, wow. Uh, wow, says wow. the anus. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> so the announcement that the episodes are launching finally flux the sixth season... Previously nine, now previously eight, then possibly nine, now six. Uh, sure. Six episode season is starting Sunday, October the 31st. We're getting a Halloween kickoff. Yeah, the corner, isn't it? If that first episode is not at least eerie, then that's a big mistake. <laughs> like the first episode has to be scary or that is a real pointless night to put it on because people are going to favour trick-or-treating and watching horror films instead. I wish they'd just stop fluxing around and get it on already. God damn it. It's it's also the first episode, as far as I'm aware, someone correct me wrong if I'm wrong in an email, but it's also the first episode, as far as I'm aware, that will cross over the watershed. Oh, then it has to be scary. It's billed for like like 8.30 on a Sunday, which is weird. That is weird. It's a family show, like... You want your kids to go to bed for school like early on a Sunday night, but whatever. It doesn't know what show it is. At the but it's also catch-up culture, so the parents might watch it with the kids like Monday afternoon after school or whatever. But it's still just kind of like okay, that's that's odd. But all the same, good that we've got an air date. Cool that it's soon. I don't want this era to end immediately because it's still got stuff that I want to see it do. And I'm though though we have like you know excitement about the future. There's still, as Russell said in his statement about taking over, 
there's still a load of adventures with this team before we get to the new stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I want to see them. So I'm glad they're coming. But do you know who paid attention to the social media blackout, even though it did get into trending, where is Doctor Who? Mm. Do you know who paid attention to it? The people already following the social media accounts. Yeah. Do you know who you don't need to market to? The people already following the social media accounts. Because they're already following the social media accounts. You need to market to Joe Public, who has a passing interest or curiosity about the show, who will be ensnared by a brilliant, brilliant trailer that makes him go, oh, that looks like the stuff I used to watch when I was younger. Or, oh my God, that looks really... I've never watched it before, but that looks really cool. They're the people you need to preach to. You've already got everyone else. They're already going to tune in. So that's your first mistake, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Second is, the day it happened was the day after... May's Theory released the proper launch It's Coming Out Next Week trailer for Doctor Who The Edge of Reality, console and PC game. And it was the day after the Season 17 The Collection Blu-ray trailer dropped, featuring a brand new short um, with David Goodison reprising his role vocally as Davros, which is kind of cool. There's been some great critiques of it, of it online saying, isn't it weird how it's so moody and atmospheric, but that season is basically just Tom fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, what? Hang on. It's not Especially, especially Destiny season. of the Daleks as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, rocks. Like, it's, it's, fucking love it. But love it, it. But it's cool that they continue this tradition of the collection announcement trailers or something special, either something really funny or something kind of cool and weird looking. Yeah. Both of those things went out on the Doctor Who YouTube channel, as well as the social media accounts. YouTube. Do you know what? vanished alongside the social media accounts for three days the youtube channel yeah so all those articles all that press talking about both of those things the video game and the box set suddenly the embedded video in those articles was not available for several days during the two three day cycle where those news stories will be at their most viewed you know what i often think about the, the the current doctor who marketing team go on no one knows what they're doing. It's all a bit confusing. I don't know if I'm coming or going they just, or watching they just this don't, thing. Do they? No, it's just a mess. And I, th- I don't think it's like I don't think it's the web people necessarily. I don't think it's your, your teams at like BBC who man these accounts. I think it's some brand department working in or with BBC Studios who thought this was a good idea. Yeah, and it's like it's not though. It's like, did you watch 2012 and W1A? Jesus. Oh, my God. It's, I it's couldn't the... watch W1A beyond the first episode. And do you want to know why? Because it's so real. <laughs> it's fucking real. Like, I was working... I think when the first series debuted, I was wor- I just left Television Centre and was working at Media City. Yeah. And I was like, this is real. This is... Re- I, this isn't comedy to me. This is distressingly real. Look at all these people. Oh, they're hilarious making silly decisions. Oh, the commissioner doesn't know what they're doing. This producer's clueless. It's like, yeah, yeah. And it's like 97% of the people who work there. And this is really difficult to watch without feeling sad inside. Do we think that the Jessica Hines character is actually managing Doctor Who's marketing strategy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've employed that character because they've got them on record for some reason. Yeah. And they don't realise it's Jessica Hines as, as an actress and she's somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, they've, 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 just, they've just left... They've set up an email account for this person and everything and they're just... Oh, my God. But... But... Doctor Who, less than three weeks away, three, four weeks away. Yay! I feel good about that. I want it. I, I want good. it. I want it in my eyes. I want it! 
Speaking of, uh, we'll Quite talk hot. about it next week because I'm going to play it on release. Yes. But uh, the Edge of Reality is coming out this week. The Edge of Reality. The final launch trailer showed that it's not just a, a VRless rehash of Edge of Time. There is a lot of new content in this. Good. It's like three times the length. It's all the stuff that would have been behind you when you're doing VR. Yeah. <laughs> you just never saw it. You never turned around. Yeah. Um, it's the, actually there the whole the time. The 13th Doctor is the Doctor in the game that you interact with, but the 10th Doctor plot is a side plot. It's one of the locations you go to. Okay. Um, you run into him. Ah, so the 10th it's, Doctor's my side piece. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> my other anus is... <laughs> Where's sand shoes? My other anus is gaping. Um, when that one puckers, it goes, well... Well, um, oh yes that's what it says oh yes um, <laughs> and uh, yeah so so oh, that's coming yes. out so to sort of prepare for it uh, I went to pre-order it on PlayStation Store it wasn't ready Xbox Marketplace pre-order was PlayStation wasn't but I realised they'd snuck out a console version of the Lonely Assassins back in July oh god a bit pricey than the mobile one if you want to buy it on uh, Android or Apple phone it's um, $3.99 and it is built to play on a phone, but Apple phone sounds delicious. I know mm. Apple Apple grass. If you if you turn your notifications off and put your headphones in, that's the ideal way to play it on a phone. Headphones in, no other apps bothering you. Yeah, that's how you should play it. The total play time is about to complete it, mostly to completion. There's a couple of things I missed apparently because there's a, tro- a couple of trophies I didn't get. Um, to completion took about three and a half hours. Okay, one of the most entertaining games I've played in a while. Really creepy. So you could play it while you're waiting for the number eight, for example. Probably. And get most of the way through. Probably. What, the bus is due every ten minutes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's... It's nothing to be blown I, by the Great Manchester. I, but but I, bet, I bet everyone's got a number eight yeah. and they get it. Um, I recommend it. I really do recommend playing it. Um, it works solely as a game on its own. Do you know, do you know the premise or the basic premises? Uh, it's, you're stranded. Uh, no, there's weeping angels and, no. around, well, and yes, but there's the doctor's like uh, left uh, your messages. No, nope, and, nope. and what am I getting thinking of then? Probably that game, but not quite. Okay, a phone has found itself in your possession. Oh, okay, and when you get a call from a, a caller ID called Petronella Osgood, uh, it's revealed oh, to yeah, you yeah, that yeah, a friend, yeah. a mutual friend of of yours, or someone you've not met yet, but someone she knows. May think that you're the person to help, so has got the phone to you. Oh, God. The phone belongs to a man called Lawrence Nightingale. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went missing three days prior. The phone is corrupted to fuck, but you using it and texting Osgood um, is enough to help her set up a link that she can try to kind of defrag this phone remotely Mm. from where she is. You've just got to go through it. You have to look for evidence of why Lawrence went missing. Why he's at odds with a uh, property developer. Well, aren't we all? And uh, (laughs) um, what happened to his wife, Natasha. And Black Widow. And why he and a friend, an old friend in his phone called Sally, are panicking about the property developer's recent purchase. Uh, right, so, right, it's if you right. know Blink, which most casual Doctor Who fans even know Blink, yeah. it's, it's one of the most yeah. known ones. If you know Blink, you see where this is going. 
If you don't know Blink, it still works because everything is built up through the forums you find, the email conversations. Like, you can... It, it doesn't go, here's the events of 2007's Blink. Yeah, yeah. You learn about the threat gradually and how it works as you go through, including stuff that you know from watching Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone is established yes. through the, the conspiracy forums that you find on the web browser. Yes. Also, you notice he seems to be trying to look up um, anything and everything to do with sightings of a blue box throughout history. And you have to figure out why he's doing this. Hashtag blue box. Yeah. It's really good. You get creepy calls from number stations. At one point, oh. La- Larry calls you, even though you're on his phone, because oh. it's not him. And fucking hell, the phone gets corrupted. There are some timed moments where if you fuck up, you're dead. And all I'll say is this. It's a phone. It's a modern phone. It's got pictures on it. Uh... And that which holds the image of an angel. Uh... The port to TV works really well. It works like a mouse control. The The left analog sticks works as mouse control and the, right. the uh, shape buttons on the PS4, PS5 controller I played on um, the shape are shortcuts for like going back to the main menu and things like that. Um, I don't know what to call them. Um, face buttons. Uh, that's the one. The, the old face, of the face baton. Face buttons. Face baton. Face buttons, shoulder buttons. It's really fun. I really recommend it. One of the scariest like indie games I've played in a while. Which is odd, because I went in going, yeah, it'll probably be a bit creepy. And I came up and going, no, I'm, my, my hair's on my arms. A bit of on Fucking play it. And then tell me that I wussed out on this one. Because it's just, ooh. But... I could play it, because even though to. even though I was looking at it on a screen, not on a phone screen, <laughs> I still felt like the thing in front of me yeah. was this object, and it's it's so well done. Um, massive bonus points for including some huge fan service to fans of the Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh, neat. because okay. you find out what two main characters are currently up to. Uh, okay, and it's really nice. Anyway, um, cool. That sounds alright. Massively recommend it. If you like it. that kind of thing. Yeah, be pedantic and search everything because I need to go back and play it one more time to get the secret ending. Uh, um, the secret ending. But based on that and the work they did on that in terms of how much they clearly care about the property. Yeah. And Doctor Who's a tough one to make video games about. We've talked about it before. Yeah, yeah. You can't really do a straightforward video game because you can't battle or fight anyone you because that's Dalek against attack. the Doctor's philosophy. <laughs> you can't do Dalek Attack for the freaking BBC. Yeah. What was it called? I think it was for the Spectrum. BBC Micro? BBC Micro, yeah. Yeah, of course. The dude Destiny of the Doctors. But even then, you're not playing the Doctor, you're playing a random, like, sentient blob blob that's fighting monsters on his behalf to save him. Yeah, exactly. The the Eternity Clock makes the mistake of going, we'll we'll half-half it. We'll give it to River. But the mechanics mean that it's still very stilted and the only difference is the Doctor can sneak past stuff and hack things as a distraction and River shoots them and temporarily stuns them which mm. is the same as providing a distraction it doesn't really yeah um, so because of this I'm really excited to play Edge of Time and, and, and find out what how much love has gone into that one yeah like I'm looking forward to that um, I'm on the edge of, of time, time. Uh, let us not beat further around this filthy uh, filthy let's get filthy pubis weeds, shall we Last week we didn't talk about it because we weren't here, but this week we can. Uh, uh, episodes 8 and 9 of What If, which is a Disney Plus series uh, about the What If men. It is. It who is who are a lovely superhero team who walk around going, mm, life is good, but, but it, it could, could be better. better. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's not that. Um, what If 
uh, Ultron won. And what if the Och- the Ocher? What if the Watcher broke his oath? Um, the series finally comes to a head and does the thing we sort of suspected it was going to do at some point. Yeah, uh, which, wh- which actually, in, on reflection, is the only reason that they did it. Yeah, Thor. What, what if Thor was an only child? Ended with oh, it's a happy tale ending and everything's great, and suddenly an Uber Ultron body and drones appear, and the Watcher goes, "Wait, what?" Mm. And you're like, "Oh, this is huh." Although I do wish Ultron would take that armor Ultroth. I don't like the design. It's uh, do you know why? Do you know why? I I appreciated them doing a here's what would happen if he'd got Vision's body because that's a, ultimately we then cut to a timeline where and it's told straight at first. There's no sort of like pickup of last week. It's told straight. Yeah, yeah. It's what if basically Ultron succeeded uploading himself into Vision. Yeah. Which meant that he was invincible, essentially. Which then meant his plan was. Not oh I'm gonna lift because it's only after they steal the the vision body does he go through with the yeah, Sokovia yeah, plan yeah. where he's gonna lift up this entire city and then plunge it into the earth as a meteorite like what's it called extinction event yeah thing he instead is like right I've got into this body which is even more advanced I'm now gonna hack into every nuke around the world yeah and kill everyone because that's what Ultron wants to do he wants to protect the world and the world will not be protected as long as humanity lives yeah that was his objective which I feel this episode didn't quite recap well enough to it sort of seem more that he was like I have to destroy our life like, but why why do you have to destroy our life oh yeah because in the film the idea is that you want to protect Earth which made it kind of odd that he then was like right well I've got to keep protecting everywhere so I'm going to kill everything it's like alright but at the same time it'd be really boring if it just ended with him nuking Earth and then going and I'm done like it would be boring we wouldn't have a story yeah if he didn't have higher af- aspirations um, so when Thanos steps out of a fucking portal mm. on Earth looking for the Mind Stone, um, <laughs> Ultron that. just goes, fascinating, cuts him in half immediately before Thanos even has a chance to say a word. Yeah, I thought that was neat. It's it's cool because it's sort of like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, okay, I buy that. Curb stomp. The internet obviously was going, why did Vision do that? It's like, my dude's. Vision never had the chance to do that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Also, Vision's vision wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have just senselessly murdered him. He would have tried to reason with him, yeah. for fuck's sake. Um, ship of Theseus, bitches. Um, <laughs> uh, That's the only time that sentence has ever been uttered. This vision's like, ship of these nuts! And then just punches ship him. Ship of these nuts. Um, so yeah, Ultron gains the Infinity Stones, gives himself a cape. So I guess that's the thing he just was always going to do. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, a cape. Fucks right off. The reason the design doesn't... I like. I appreciate them trying to do that, but the reason the design didn't gel well with me is because it looked like Ultron Sigma from Marvel v. Capcom Infinite. Yeah. Like, just the only difference was it hit that version didn't open its face to have a different face inside it. Yeah. But other than I mean, that, it was just like, oh, God, this looks like a fucking horrible one from that terrible video game. That's why it doesn't work for me. It's just Vision wearing Ultron. Yeah, it should have just been, it's it just been Vision. It should have just been Vision. Yeah. Augment Vision a bit. Give him the weird kind of like horns around the side of his face or something. I've just his tech look I'd change the pattern on his face to resemble that. Yeah, give him give him the weird sort of um, ciphers on his cheeks yeah. that the oh, movie Ultron's an, got. An apocalypse mouth. Yeah, yeah. Apocaly- well, speaking of apocalypse mouth, not apocalypse, but another Marvel villain got referenced by Ultron in this episode. Uh, yeah. So, the episode starts like that and we learn that so that episode's plot, seemingly, is that Natasha Romanoff and Clint Barton, 
minus an arm now with an Ultron drone arm for an arm. He always has to lose an arm. Survive the fallout. They're the only heroes that survived the fallout and all the attacks and everything. Yeah, because they were like in the air at the time. And they're like, right, we have to stop this. The only way we can is by fucking him up from the inside. So, and I thought this was cool. I thought this because Natasha at that point in the timeline would sort of go, I mean, there is this super intelligence mm. that I've encountered and you can believe that she has done some reading since the Winter Soldier to I see mean, like, you would, wouldn't you? surely Zola's got a backup. Yeah. Turns out he does. The backup is hiding. And what I love about this and what I love about the sets they use in this, the sets are so accurate for locations we've been to in the films. Yeah. So accurate. That computer monitor is in that base in Russia in Captain America Civil War. And the thought now that like, there's a Zola tucked away on that. Yep. It's kind of cool. It's like, that's a neat little nod. And we got more Toby Jones. Noby Jones? No. Toby Jones. Yeah, I love Toby Jones. We actually got some good Toby Jones in this. I love that Toby Jones. Tasty bit of Toby Jones. Good old Toby Jug. Uh, Jones. We get a... <laughs> we get a warped version of Natasha's Sacrifice from Endgame when yep. Clint drops down to stop the drones from getting the Zola-infected drone. Um... And I like that idea. They get it in the drone to take everyone down and Zola's like, yeah, it's not working. They're like, wait, why? Why the hell is it not working? It's like, oh, because he's not on Earth. Ultron's nowhere nearby. No, it's not that he's nowhere nearby. He's not in that universe. Exactly. He's out of reach completely. Yeah. Like, there's no signal can get to him. Because, and also the USB arrow making a comeback. Yeah. It was in one of the films, wasn't it? So it's like, that's kind of cool. But, um, yeah, the, 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 the reason he's not in the universe... It's because after taking the Infinity Stones and going around the universe and wiping out as much sentient life as he can find, he's like, oh, fuck. Kind of run out now. Wait a minute. Hang on. These stones can do all sorts of shit. But he discovers there's a multiverse. Well, he hears the Watcher. Because he hears the Watcher. What the fuck? Now, it made me appreciate the Doctor Strange setup more. Yes. Because you realise even though it works contained in that story, yes. it informed us that when a being has that much supreme power, their awareness of the fabric of the universe is just instantly enhanced. They yep. may not realise it, but they will. Like the in... cosmic awareness that a couple of different versions of Captain Marvel have had over the years. Exactly. Strange in that one just overhears the Watcher narrating to us. Yeah. Which is like, what the fuck is happening? And then in this, the Watcher's like narrating and Ultron's like, who said that? Yeah. And you're like, oh shit. Oh no. Um and yeah, so we realised the end of the previous episode was set during this montage of Ultron travelling through the multiverses after breaking into the sort of bit between them where the watcher is, beating the fuck out of him for a bit, and then taking on every universe. Big old cosmic battle, complete with Kirby Crackle. Oh right. I this is what I this I like the Natasha and Clint plot a lot. I really enjoyed it. I think Lake Bell's done it's a great job playing fine. playing the Black Widow yeah, in the series true, and hearing true. her opposite Jeremy Renner. I was like, no, do you know what? I buy that this is Natasha and Clint. Yeah, yeah. I buy that it's these two. Toby Jones added bonus. I really one thing I've enjoyed in the series is I really love the fight choreography. I think it's been really yeah, well directed. Yeah, fight choreography has been really excellent. Um, actually, and 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 the fight between the Watcher and Ultron was really creative. Like it was yes. really weird. Um, especially when yes. you got the Galactus moment, yeah, where he goes to like devour a planet that the Watcher's on. That's and quite good. They light, they light the curves of his head a very specific way, so it just yeah. kind of looks a bit Galactusy. And it's like yeah. we see what you're doing. Um, I see you, Marvel. 
But this is the point where it's sort of like, this episode does not work alone, and it is part one of two. Because even though we get the story of the Ultron world, we don't kind of get it complete before it deviates into the Watcher going, oh, fuck. Um, I'm going to need some help, guys. Yes. Cutting forward to, what if the Watcher broke his oath? Where he Nick Furies a bunch of folks from different dimensions. Mm. Captain Carter from episode one. Star-Lord, T'Challa from episode 2, Killmonger from episode 6, Doctor Strange from episode 4, because the the first one ends with him talking to Doctor Strange, like confiding in him, meaning that he's gone, I need to talk to a dude who's all-powerful to figure out what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Hi! Hi! Good morning! Hi! Hi! Frees him from his prison, and Strange is like, yeah, sure, let's go. Uh, This Strange has obviously found some kind of redemption, because at the end of the second part, when tasked with the staying in his pocket dimension to keep an eye yeah. on on um, Ultron and uh, Zola? Was that was the fighting at the end? Uh, Ultron and... Yeah. Yeah. The, he, when tasked with that, which basically means still being in prison, but also keeping an eye on something, yeah. he's like, yeah, no, I'll do it. So you sort of realise that he realises he fucked up and he's the best person to do this. There's no The selfishness is gone. Or has it? Well, Spider-Man No Way Home, coming to cinema's December. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, he recruits Doctor Strange, who then gets these other heroes. We also get Party Thor, who we see in scenes set shortly after the end of his episode, where he's fighting a lot of Ultron drones in Las Vegas, which has basically become his favourite place ever. Yeah. Um, and we see an episode that... Oh god, Captain America's shield just fell down. I'm so sorry. It's alright. We see an episode... Where Captain America's shield falls down. Where Captain America's shield fell down eight times. An episode that didn't get finished. But we know from some early discussions about the series, was in development. Which is... Oh uh, yeah, okay. We, we go to... Uh, what's it called? At... Uh, oh, what's, that? what's the name of the forge? Where, where Stormbreaker's oh, made. yes. The, the big forge. Big old forge holes. The big old forge. Yeah. Oh, my God. Nevada, Nevada Lear. That sounds right. I think... Oh, God. Rocket likes it. Point is, the place where Stormbreaker is, and there's a giant Peter Dinklage. And we, we arrive there to see Tony Stark in a sort of Hulkbuster armour covered in Sakarian painting. Yeah. And Gamora wearing a version of Thanos' armour... Um, and carrying a version of his big old sword. Carrying a version of his helicopter blades. Yeah. Um, uh, forging something called, uh, was it the Infinity Crusher? Crusher. So creating a device that will destroy Infinity Stones. Melting down the Infinity Gauntlet to do so. To do so, which was a nice little nod. Um, yeah, because of course, like if, if you're going to create something that can house them to destroy them, why not use the thing that housed them when someone was using them? That makes sense. Again, these little visual nods to the set pieces and the props that don't need any explaining, but like it's cool when you think about it. I like that's the sort of stuff I've enjoyed. Um, we had an episode in development that we would have seen where Tony goes through the wormhole with the missile at the end of Avengers, gets st- stuck in there, doesn't die, and ends up on Sakaar. Yes. However that episode concludes, we can now determine it concludes at least with him and Gamora teaming up, probably having taken down Thanos and now trying to destroy the Infinity Stones. Hence why he's in a, like, space-age, sort of, pocket-sized version of the Hulkbuster armor. (laughs) Pocket-sized Hulkbuster. One of the creators has said that we're not going to see that episode now. Um, But they're not against 
doing similar concepts in the second season if Why they feel that it's the right story. It was because of drums, please. The latter half of production being affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Fuck you, coronavirus. So, uh, oh, oh, this episode, this season was shot. That's fine. I, I, I could have done my one last episode. <laughs> But it explains why we had nine, because ten sounds yeah. yeah more rounded. Um, well, pe- the people are just making up episode counts for series now. <laughs> yeah. like, there's no consistency in any of it. But and we got Gamora. Fine. We got Gamora on the team, and that was that was fun. It was nice to see Gamora, and that her in that costume looks really fucking cool. It's a cool design. It sort of looks like a comic book white and black costume. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Without was... being also massively like cleavage revealing and stuff. Well, the late the late one's been less cleavage revealy, but like the armor plates have been individualized, oh, so the armor oh, okay, plate yeah. is just like boobs. Oh, no, I thought I thought you meant like the 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 uh, oh the, the green the, the gr- plunging the... thing. Oh plunging no, not that one. No, no, no. One keener. Oh no, 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 no. Also, Gamora is... Iron Man team up seems like a bit of a nod to Iron Man's time with the Guardians and the fact that they basically became fuck buddies. Well, well, for the duration. You um, you could keep up. <laughs> yeah, no, he, was, he was knackered and terrifying yeah. each time, but he still went back. Well, he still went, but whatever she said, do you want to? He's like, yes, yes, once I do. You go Gamora. You always want Mora. And I think there is at least one joke about Captain Kirk at some point in that run as well. Oh this yeah, run. Um, speaking of, do you think he's got too higher expectations about space? William <laughs> <laughs> Shatner's going to go up there and be like, "Now, when do I get to sleep with the Green Woman?" It's like, uh, well, for starters, you're a ninety-year-old man. Uh, to boldly go and. Boldly come. <laughs> to boldly go where no catheter has gone before. Oh! Um, <laughs> so you went for the you went for the old man having sex with an alien joke. I went for the old man shitting himself. Ah, uh, nonagenarians. Um, uh, <laughs> if we have any nonagenarian listeners, how many times can I say nonagenarian in this episode? Ninety times. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it. I didn't know it nine times. We end up in um, a universe... Well, well, I like the little go-between briefing room being a version of uh, the bar from Peggy's time during World War II. That was cute. Because it was, it was yes. a nice little cosy setting that really highlighted how weird the designs of everyone are. Like, yes. seeing them in a natural place. But I like the fact when we, we met Peggy, she was essentially in the events of the Winter Soldier. Yeah, that was neat. Down to Batroc being involved. And her approach being completely different to Steve's. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Uh, and her and Natasha having a really good rapport, which made sense when they went to the universe. They're like, we can fight Ultron here, attract him here, because he, you know, they can't hurt anyone else. Because I'm guessing they didn't realize, yeah, Natasha's still alive in on this Earth. Yeah. Um, but it means that there was an instant shorthand with her and Peggy, which which was quite nice. I like that. I like Natasha's apocalypse look. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact she's still using the Red Guardian shield. Mad Nat. Mad Nat. <laughs> Mad Nat Fury. Whoa, I don't know. Um, it's just it's just a superhero ending. It is, isn't it? Like, there's some cool. It is. There's some cool fighting in there. There's some really inventive visuals in there. When Doctor Strange starts doing magic versus technology, is yeah. very cool. Yeah. The Killmonger betrayal is so obvious from the moment he picks up the Ultron drone head. Um. And it's like that version of Killmonger. Sure, but one th- th- one thing this series does in both his episode and in this when he tries to reason why he's doing it with everyone yeah. is they don't go far enough to have him just outright say what he wants to do. Yeah. They suggest what he wants to do yeah. based on you remembering what his plot was in yeah. Black Panther. And I'm sort of like, 
you either go all in on that or you don't. And the thing is, I'm I'm always been a proponent of like letting the audience do a bit of work, like trusting the audience's intelligence mm. and like memory of things that they've already seen. But I think this swings too far on that. Yeah, There's yeah, a little too much of it. It works well when it's little background nods that aren't plot yeah. reliant that you just go, oh, yeah. that'd do that, like the gauntlet. Yeah, like the gauntlet being melted down to create the Infinity Smasher. It's like. Of course, that makes sense. Yeah, but it's not essential. You don't need to know that for the the Infinity Smasher to work narratively. Um, weird design. It's like a metal it's spider with a, with a an ass to grind. Yeah, well, um, you, just grinding its ass on Ultron's just chest. Got an ass to grind. Some people pay good money for that. Uh, you can um, fanfic out there. Like. <laughs> some people um, some people pay good money for commissions on DeviantArt. Yeah, well, kind of yes, there we go. Um, um the the thing. You know what bugged me about this last two ep- this Well, this last episode specifically. Mm. This is the first sort of MCU thing where the humour has bugged me. Because it just felt out... It just like, like The watch equipping just felt wrong. Yes, yes. It just didn't work. Like, it, it worked brilliantly. It, him doing comedy worked good in two places for me. And it was the, wait, what? At the end of episode seven. Because it was surprising. Yes. And... Him debating whether or not he should interfere and trying to sort of nudge Clint toward finding the right file, I didn't hate. But they also, because it because it felt like, like even he was like, "Why am I? Oh God, I can't believe I'm having to do this!" Like it felt like he was panicking. But then he would have a lot of there was a lot of cool one-liners after that, and that kind of was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, it didn't feel right. Though th- those two moments you mentioned didn't feel like comic relief moments. Yeah, they they they, they, they felt just felt like part of the story. They felt like part of the story, and the character would react that way because he's known life to be one thing. Yeah, and then first time life derails and surprises him and the second time he's having to change his entire philosophy but like the, the things like the back and forth was strange about who picked him yeah it didn't work for me well, it's also weird that the result is like yeah the, the, out of the multiverse these are the this is the team yeah I mean I like all these characters and I've enjoyed their adventures but this is the team yeah it's and then the resolution great. being because I foresaw that these would be the right... What? It's like, wait, what? Huh? I knew he what sort was going to happen he all sort of, along. Well, he sort of implies that his vision is cloudy now because it's out of his hands. It's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. But it's the Madam Web thing, isn't it? Of like, I can only see versions of the future. I don't know which one we're headed toward. It's that yeah. kind of, you know... It's 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 the it's the Doctor Strange putting up his shaky finger in Endgame moment, essentially. Yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say now? Right, so things... One thing the last episode did do well was it had something from each of the preceding episodes. Yeah. So Captain Carter, straight out of her story. Yeah. Star of T'Challa, straight out of his story. Yeah. Um, out of the... I can't quite remember which one this is. Out of the... Bing, bing, bing. Uh, the Avengers assassinated one. Uh, Natasha's ending... Yes. ...was a return to that timeline. Yes. As we found uh, Loki's uh, sort of loyal Asgardians being fought off on the helicarrier by the now-resuscitated Captain America... Yes. ...Captain Marvel and Nick Fury. Yep. I kind of like that resolution for her, Natasha. I'm like, yeah, there's no one on her Earth. You can't leave her in her universe, Watcher. That would be fucking horrible. Like, there is nothing there. But there is this timeline where there's no Natasha... And she did help you save the multiverse. Yeah. And I'm sure you can bend the rules just a little bit. So, I liked that. Um, Doctor Strange Supreme, obviously, he's from his fourth episode, and we get like all of his demons coming out to play. Again, that mix of all the visual effects for magic being 2D. Yeah. Mixed in with with the, the 3D sort of like moves and everything looks really cool. And I, the I moment appreciate where that he just goes full on tentacle ball. Yeah, just big old, big old squid boy. 
I love uh, the fact that we still don't see what's at the root of those tentacles. Um, we didn't get a cutaway shot of Agent Carter going like, fucking hell, that again? Yeah. Oh, you've got one. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. You, you can sit at the other side of yeah. the uh, of, of the, the people carrier when we drive back to base after this. I'm not sitting anywhere near you. I was watching that smell out of my costume for weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get the zombies used as a weapon by Strange, which I thought was fun. Can't be the same ones because Cap was there, but I don't give a shit. It was a re- yeah, it was a visual yeah. reference. It was I kind of like that as a we've got to stall him here. Although it's a portal, a shitload of zombies yeah. fall through. Well, we get the wonder thing, yeah, which is like oh shit. But wait, hang on. Um, I kind of was hoping for there to be a pile of them and then for a giant fucking um, ja- uh, not Janet Hope, yeah, one to fall through and like land on the pile. Um, but again, I like as far as nods to that episode go. I'm fine with that. That's the most appropriate use of them. Like, brief distraction for Ultron to deal with while they get yeah. ready for the fight. Um, Killmonger, obviously, from his episode and his whole raison d'etre leaked into his motivation. Uh, and then Party Thor, he was in the episode and his location takes part. I didn't like the way he screamed. His mouth looked weird. I the, loved the gag, but animation. I know what you mean. I really yeah. loved the gag, it's but like, I know what you mean. Rawr! It's like they overdid it. Yeah. But then again, I was I looked I had to look them both up earlier in the week. I was like, are the Thor models the same? Like I know he's he's shaved in mm. this, and I think they did that to just distinctly give him a very a, a very individual look as well yeah. compared to other versions of Thor. Looks and acts younger. But I, I looked up how Thor looks in What If Earth Lost Its Mightiest Heroes. Yeah. You don't see him briefly, but he's bearded and there he is. And it's like, no, it is the same model. It is the exact same model. Hmm. But he sort of looks like a weird hybrid of, of Thor and Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. <laughs> oh, speaking of, that's the biggest news of the week. Um, what? The Home Alone uh, reboot, which looks to be a soft reboot, released its trailer Ooh. today. I've um, seen that. It's one of those where it's like, it's the same movie, and that's annoying, but it's got really good comedic talent in it. Oh, let's do a live watch. Let's do a live watch. Of oh, that. it's very long. How it's long very is it? long. It's it's about minute after two minutes long. The That's trailer. fine. Um, it's got a good cast though. It's got That's Pete, fine. Pete Pete Holmes, uh, Aisling B. Um, oh B. God, what's Ash Ashling B? Sorry, uh, what's what's his name? Oh my God, from Deadpool Two. It's not all he's in, but like I always think of him as that because he's he's um, Peter, Rob Delaney. Oh yeah, let's um, find out. Let's find out. <laughs> and it's called Home Sweet Home, Home Sweet Alone. Alone. Oh God, that is the same movie. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's the exact same oh, okay. film, except it's not because we have a confirmation. Uh, Kevin's brother is a policeman in this trailer, briefly. Okay, all so, right. I'm yeah. waiting for that. Oh god, Matt is watching Home Sweet Home yeah, Alone. Okay. Home Alone. Have they like <laughs> shrunk down Nick Frost? What the kid? It's the lad from. Um, it's it's the lad from. Uh, oh god, what's it called? A uh, Jojo Rabbit. Is it? Yes. Yes. Also, Ashling B is um, freaking English. Oh yeah, that's fucking that's 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 Buzz. And you know the only reason she's English and not Irish is because they were worried that Americans would be confused. That just it just feels feels like that's the reason. For those who are listening along yeah. at home, I think uh, this is. This looks alright. It looks alright. It looks well shot and everything, but it also looks a bit toothless. There's only one visual gag you'll see at the end that makes you go, oh, that's the brutality of the original Home Alone. Because part of the Home Alone charm is it's really creepy. 
like the music's creepy. Him being alone is really is teed up that he's it's scary. Yeah. Like, the weird dude in the park and all yep. that sort of stuff. And and the burglars. Like they're violent. They're gonna at one point they like threaten to cut him. Like you're like, this is really scary. Yeah. This this gag is the only one that sort of suggests the brutality of the original. Like oh! that, yeah. Like that's, that's good. That that's gag's good. fun. That's good. Yeah, that looks like it might be alright. It's gonna be on Disney Plus, fuck it. Like Um uh, Macaulay Culkin has not denied that he's going to appear in it. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. So, I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a McAllister in it already, yeah. you may as well chuck the main one in at some point. But yeah, um, do you think Buzz married his girlfriend? I think he married the tarantula. <laughs> um, Buzz's girlfriend. I couldn't watch Woof. that. Film. I couldn't watch that film as a kid because of the spider. Oh, mate, it was too, mate. Much. It was too mate. much for me. And he's just delicately placed on Martha's face. I'm like, nope, nope, I'll done. Wait. Uh, I, have to, I put Home Alone up there with that other Daniel Stern starring classic Chud. <laughs> what? Cannibal humanoid underground dwellers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I want to watch Us again. Um, so, god damn it. Uh, I set you an assignment. Did you, you do did. it? I did. Beautiful boy. Um, before we go, it's pretty obvious that we were we were whelmed by I the two-part yeah, finale of I was, What If. I was whelmed. I was... I wasn't underwhelmed. Was, both episodes had some really cool moments, but ultimately it was like, sure. So I said to Matt, considering we've... we've, I think overall we've been mostly on the negative side of what if as the series has gone on. I think you've been on. a bit more positive on it than I have, but yeah. I've not oh, I've, I've, loved it. I've definitely enjoyed it. I've definitely enjoyed it more, but I, as it's gone on, I've also been like, this does not capture the spirit yeah. of... The, the best episodes stand head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. And it, it's it, there's right. no there's no sort of middle ground, there's no kind of they all exist in the same ballpark but some just shine brighter. It's no, these shine brighter for reasons that are quite yeah, obvious yeah. compared to others. So I thought right. let let us let us end on a positive note by starting with our you ready for this YouTube algorithm? You're gonna fucking eat this up. Yes um, starting with our least favourite episode to best okay, to I most favourite episode. So in ninth position, what have you got in your far bottom episode of the series you gave the least shits about? What if zombies? What if zombies? Why is that your number nine? Because it's just not very good. <laughs> it's kind of dull. It doesn't go the whole hog on the zombie stuff. The The comic relief is really ill-placed. And it's just not a full story, is it? Like, it's just not... It doesn't have a complete plot. And I know that's kind of like... But, these are like kind of open-ended things, but at least they have a complete enough plot to get through, you know, the, the what, half-hour, 25-minute episode. Whereas this doesn't, and it feels it feels really rushed, and yet doesn't have enough plot. Peter's seen his aunt and friends be devoured by zombies. Why is he making cool zombie-like yeah, video diaries, TG? You had a... It's fucking weird. Why is... I mean, don't get me wrong. Fucking love David Dismalchin, but why is he in it? Mm. Why is Kurt in this? Is it Kurt? Yeah, Baba Yaga. Kurt. I think he's. I think he was. And again, oh, love David Smallchin. The more David Smallchin, the better. Yeah, happy, I think happy the reason he's in it is because someone thought of the idea of Zombie Scarlet Witch and was like, "Oh, Kurt should be there to call her Baba Yaga," and that's why. Yeah, and, and things like that. If that happened, is why I, this is my least favorite episode of the season. My least favorite, my number nine, is what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? Yeah, I said at the time when we reviewed it, I like, I like the premise, I like the setup. Yeah. But then it just kind of is like, oh, it's Black Panther, but not as interesting. Yeah. And it feels like it's still got things up its sleeve when it ends. Yeah. Like, it feels like Killmonger's plan isn't really realised. The man who he believes 
or did, um, kill his dad, T'Chaka, is right next to him. Yeah. And he by the end of the episode, he does nothing about that. Nope. And you're like, huh, okay, where's this going? And then you get the weird little ending of Baby Shuri and Pepper Potts going, ah, right, we've, uh, we've there's a conspiracy and we're going to figure it out. And then it ends. Yeah, Baby Shuri's weird and I don't like it. And I left it open. Better that than hiring Letitia Wright and paying her more money. Well, she's in Black Panther read her, forever, so... Th- of course she is, but read her Twitter feed, folks. Um, or don't. Unless, if you want your dreams crushed, read her Twitter feed. I love having crushed dreams. Oh, crushed dreams. With some whipped cream. I left it open at the time as not my least favourite because I was like, I want to, I've got a feeling this will be a thread that will be pulled in the inevitable crossover, yeah. which may make me feel different about it on reflection. Yeah. So we'll see. It doesn't. We get a tiny sequel with society. them storming... They're storming uh, like the throne room yeah. in Wakanda. Pepper Potts and like a lot of military with Shuri at the front helping him out. It's just weird. And it's it? like, what does this mean? Why is this What's happening? to get us to this point? Like... And they get there and of course Killmonger's gone because he's been teleported to the fight and you're like... He's huh. been chosen. Yeah. And what a great idea considering he betrays them all. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just thought that one... It, it has its merits. I think Mike Mick Wingert does an amazing job playing Tony Stark, and because of how Tony Stark is written, I buy that that's the same character from the films. I think Michael B. Jordan does a really good job in it, mm. and I would have liked to have seen him in one where maybe Killmonger's path was different in some way. Yeah. Um, this just feels just to like... hear him play different lay- layers to the, to the potentials of that character. Yeah. Whereas it, it feels just like a short, like a a, a long. Longer way around to get to the same point. Oh, he's a twist villain. It's yeah. Like, it's like, okay. no, well, no, because we've seen Black Panther. Which is why it's my number eight. Ah, so your number eight is what Killmonger Rescue Tony yeah, Stark. Yeah. Fair enough. Is there anything I've not brought up that no, knocked it down it's for just, you? No, it's, it's not as bad as Marvel Zombies. But it's just... It just doesn't... It's just not interesting. Mm. I think, for me. Because it, because it doesn't... I don't think it does a good enough job of actually setting up Killmonger... Unless you've seen Black Panther, which you know, like I say, I am one for trusting your audience's intelligence. Yeah, if you're watching What If, chances are you've seen the you've movies. Seen Black but you should still, you should always. Stan Lee's philosophy was every comic is someone's first. Yeah, which is why he was adamant about recap pages, always having that thing where there is like on the credit page at the start of a comic that caption that is yeah. like bitten by a radioactive spider teenager yeah. Peter Parker became, just to sort of give you the idea and also so you can put Stanley Presents on it true uh, that's very true um, but that's you know it, it helps and as we've said to people on here I want to read comics but I don't know where to start chances are with most of them most modern ones as well you could just jump into anyone yeah. and it will give you enough context at the top that you'll be like well certainly right. Marvel comics come with a recap page anyway Stanley. yeah and so. and that's you know it feels like this show should have kept that philosophy in mind when it comes to episodes like this. My number eight is the finale. What if the Watcher broke his oath? Okay, not as low as that for me, but we'll get to that. I liked its action a lot, like I said, and 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 I think some of the character interactions were a lot of fun, but there weren't enough of them. No, like I have no, I have no sense of what this Gamora's deal is. Yeah. Uh, I I. Yeah, that's a big like the fact that the episode is missing. Yeah. And yet it's in the finale. Is weird. Peggy welcomed us to the series, but it almost feels like she's just an accessory in this episode. Yeah. Like, she gets a couple cute moments in her own timeline with Natasha and the fight with Batrock, which is yeah, really fun. Neat. I love that it's a that completely different approach. Yeah. Um, like, they've got there early. He's on top of the ship. Like yeah. He's not even down in the bowels in the control room yet. It's like, that's quite cool. 
Uh, and the setting up of uh, dating someone from accounting. Yeah. Uh, whose name, I'm trying to remember what it is, but their name uh, shares a name with a character that Jeffrey Wright played in something. Bernard. Ah, yeah. So From Westworld. From Westworld. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's kind of, like, it could just be a random name, but it's kind of cute that they picked a character that, like, this episode is about the Watcher assembling a team. So they picked a character name from someone he, you know. Um, there's also, I can't remember which comic, it's a Marvel thing, but there is a goat somewhere that someone owns that's called Bernard as well, and people online were going, oh, maybe it's a reference to that goat. It's like, Black Widow is not setting up Captain Carter on a date with a goat. I mean, greatest of all time, maybe. Ah, true. But Which is Jeffrey Wright. Hey! Um, so yeah, it just, it, just, it, it, it only works, in that logic thing, it only works really as part two of a story and the finale to the series. Yeah. So it doesn't work on its own, and I just kind of felt like, right and then immediately looked up to see what the announcement about series two was which confirmed that series two currently there are no plans for series two to have an arc it's yeah. going to be like a anthology which i episodes. think i prefer because if it lets yeah. those episodes breathe a bit without having to set something up which i think some of the episodes in this mm-hmm. suffered from mm. they've said they're not um, against revisiting some of the worlds maybe but currently there are no plans to do that in what season two episodes have been selected mm. so because obviously the last episode ended with a teaser tag of um captain carter and and widow discovering yeah, yeah. that the hydra stomper armor is like in some kind of frozen uh state like like it's 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 in like a lockdown yes like a standby state and it's got like medical machines hooked up to it yeah the implicate and that there's someone inside implying that she gets her happy ending because Steve is alive. Yes. But it's like, yeah, but how old is he? <laughs> like, did he age? Like, what's what's the catch? Old as a ball. What is the catch? You still could have had her Steve frozen in the ocean and do it convoluted in some way like that because, like, she didn't get frozen in the ocean. No. She went through a portal beating up a load of tentacles. Yeah. Like, she got here with a different method. So, yeah. It happens. But, like, it just sort of... It was fine. As a finale, it was fine. I'm not in a hurry to rewatch it again. I'd only rewatch the finale again if I was like doing a series rewatch. Yeah. So it's low on the list for those reasons. Your number seven, sir, by Jingo. My number seven, and I was surprised it was as low on this list because I remember thinking it was quite good, but I think it was just because it is, it it was quite solid and didn't have any of the high points that the other episodes had. Mm-hmm. Was what if the Avengers never assembled? Oh, what if um the world lost its mightiest yeah, heroes? Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Uh, again, nothing particularly wrong with it. Hmm. It's it's fairly solid. I like the yellow jacket uh, twist. I like that they had Hank Pym around. Hank's incredibly stressful confusion when yeah. Fury starts fighting back in a superpowered way. Um, I like the things it did with Loki and yeah. th- that turned into a resistance thing at the end. It just, you know, I, I didn't. It didn't light my world on fire. It was there was nothing wrong with it. It was it was good. It was just not great which i think some of these episodes have moments that are great even if they're not great in themselves whereas this was just consistently pretty good okay okay uh my number seven zombies okay Uh, i've i've warmed to it a little more since seeing it i didn't like it i didn't happen for me with a couple of episodes yeah like i didn't like it at the time and i still again i'm like huh but there's something about the horror fan in me that just sort of enjoyed the sort of, oh God, the Scarlet Witch is a zombie. Yeah. And, oh God, the wasp's going to grow giant and eat people. Like, something about the 
something about the playfulness of some of the setups yeah has kind of made it grow on me a little uh there's still so much wasted opportunity tonally it is so inconsistent like either have it be a flat out comedy from minute one yeah but if you're gonna do that you can't make it gory and full of tragedy yeah like you've got to find a way to balance it what they went for was a horror comedy, but they lent on the comedy too much, which you way too much. Which is tough to do when the stakes are so huge. Like Shaun of the Dead is a comedy horror. It's funny before it's scary. Yeah. But the stakes in that movie aren't the end of the known universe. No. The stakes are this borough in London is fucked. <laughs> like as evidenced by the end of the movie, when we see that everything's back to normal. To the point where the zombies are under control enough to be contestants on game shows. Yeah. Like, it's there's no world-ending stakes in Shaun of the Dead. There are personal stakes, there are emotional stakes, but it's not a cosmic threat. All you needed to do is go to the Winchester, have a fight, <laughs> and wait for this all to blow over. Exactly. Whereas this is a cosmic threat. Yeah. So, they shouldn't be taking it this seriously. Maybe Spider-Man could have been quipping and joking and this and the other, and then break down. And you yeah. realise it's his coping mechanism working to overdrive. But the episodes aren't long enough for you to fit that in. Exactly. Because you've got to do the whole Scarlet Witch, Bobby Aga thing. Yeah. I like what they did with Vision, though. I thought that was very cool. Yeah, that was all right. Creepy, actually. creepy. What's your number six, number six, number six, with a big old number six, old uh, six? My number six was, um, what if the child became Star-Lord? Okie dokie. Ooh, because, right. again, it's mostly pretty good. Yarb. And I don't really have any huge issues with it. But it's just, again, consistently pretty good. Okay. If I was to pick things out that I wasn't... You know, don't... Did not buy the Thanos twist. At all. Okay, yeah. Just did, But it's not like... It's not going to ruin the episode for me. I just didn't buy it. What, you don't, you don't buy that he'd basically just become like a message board troll yeah. version of Thanos? Because he's like, like alright, fine, but I... I'm right though I don't know how T'Challa could have talked him out of his fucking plan but yeah whatever it's fine just accept it and move on Um, (laughs) the like the Howard the Duck stuff I thought it was neat to get some Howard in there yeah Um, little did we know it was a tease yes it was but a susan of Howard yes a sprinkling (laughs) Howard the Duck is always a welcome inclusion Um, I didn't really love the Drax moments and I think that was partly because it wasn't Dave Batista. Because you know he'd nail it. I mean, Fred Tashaw yeah. did a great job oh, with yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's fucking but pro. No, but knowing as well what we know now, yeah. the Batista was like, weird. I was never called. It just feels odd. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, it's a fine... Because <laughs> the casting director confirmed, like, no, we we did reach out to him. Yeah, that's weird. So it, it didn't get through. And it's like, you think they'd persist then? I'd be like, Dave... Dave. Dave, like someone must have his his number. Like I get it for Chris Evans, and I get it for Robert Downey Jr., and I I definitely get it now for Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, because it's like oh we've we've done it now, we've done our time, and yeah. it would feel weird to go back. It's one yeah. of the reasons why I wasn't annoyed, like some people were, that there was no Tony Stark cameo on Black Widow. It's like, why would he go back to the well? Yeah. After he's said the definitive goodbye to this job and this yeah, role. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. I understand them getting impersonators in for those roles. Yeah, why not? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, you know... But, but, and good impersonators as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, like, it was just... Yeah. It was fine. It was good. It was actually, I, I, you know, I'd go so far as to say it was good. It's just that there were, what, five other episodes of this series that I thought were better. Fair enough. Like, um, I have to agree that they were definitely five better than my number six pick. What if Ultron won? 
Because again, yeah. it works yeah. only as a part one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would love to see. I would. I would have loved to have seen a version that is just the Natasha and Clint saving the world storyline. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't have Ultron having a cosmic influence. Like, there's a version of it that's that, and that would have probably been one I enjoyed more because I like what I like what it was showing me. But it was, and I like the the Watcher Ultron fights. They were created with punching each other. Through they dimensions. were really good. Actually. Like that's they really visually really cool. Um, it would be cool to see more stuff like that. To see Asgard getting blown up by a laser from the sky and all these cool ideas in there. But mm. because it served only to be a part one, I can't really put it higher. Like very no, rarely, very rarely will you have a part one and a part two that are so distinctly different that you can think of them as a separate thing. It's not like a Pandora opens Big Bang situation where it's like, yeah. the Big Bang's really cool, and it, but it only works as a part two, whereas the Pandora opens is a really cool episode of yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ultron 1 is number six for me, and it just, again, mostly out of function. For the similar reasons, I think that's why it's my number five. Hey! Um, like it, it's, it, it works... It's, it, it's not lower on this list because of the Watcher Ultron stuff. Yeah. Um... The, you didn't. You did enjoy the fights. In I fact, some, some fights. of what's left on your list implies that the fights were things that oh, saved yeah, a few episodes for you. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, the Natasha <laughs> Clint stuff was fine, mm. but it wasn't actually as interesting to me as the Watcher. Fair dues. Um, Ultron sort of conundrum, but I like big cosmic Marvel bullshit and Kirby Crackle. Um, and I fucking love Kirby Crackle. There was a lot of Kirby Crackle. All about Kirby Crackle. Well done, animators. But again, you're right. It only it only works as the Part of, first part of a two-parter, um, mm. which you know we'll get to. <laughs> well, uh, what is uh, that? Was your number five? Yeah, my number five. My number five is what I like to call the easy entry because it was. Uh, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it, but it, it, it you know, it it was Captain America: The First Avenger. Yeah. Um, starring one of my favorite cast members in the Marvel Cinematic Universe yes. and yeah. one of my favorite actors of, of yeah. the day who I really like and everyone in it did a great job. I, Sebastian Stan feels a bit uncomfortable in it and then when he shows up later on in Zombies, yeah. he suddenly is nailing it and you're like, oh, right, oh, I guess... I get, hmm, okay, that was weird. And Dominic Cooper's sort of like forgotten what Howard Stark sounds like. <laughs> it's like dude, you played him in you played him in a movie and two seasons of a TV series. <laughs> I'm Howard Stark, don't you know? I was like, okay, sure. Um, but like it, it's, <laughs> but you know, it's it's um like I and and I like the twists, like the the. Uh, Johann's uh, Schmidt's plan changing to accommodate how the yeah. the arc's different. Yeah. Steve's still wanting to be in the fights, though essentially a proto Iron Man arms created is like a yeah. that's all highly unlikely. But wait, oh, Howard's using the Tesseract as a power source. Of course, we never saw him get hold of a power source like that and what he would then develop it into. Yeah. yeah. So why not create a suit of armor that just happens to coincidentally be something similar to what his son in another timeline will create in the future? Oh, sure, that's like whatever. Portrait, right. um, <laughs> the, the, the fucked up weirdness of the fact the final boss, as it were, is basically Cthulhu. Like, yeah. it's Captain Carter punching, having a punch fight with a load of tentacles. It's yeah. like, I was not expecting this! Like, it's just, it's weird. And, and yeah. it gets points for that. Um, and Dum Dum Dugan's in it, which that, is always yeah. good. Always, always but it, a but it's also it's also the one. Never it's sure. the episode that takes the least risks of the whole series. Functionally, of course, it is. It's the first episode. You're introducing the concept. To some people yeah. have never thought about it. Yeah, before. I get that. Totally. So it works. It works perfectly for my money 
for a debut episode of the series. Yeah. It's not one you're going to go back to out of order. You'll always watch it first, I think. Well, why would you watch it any other time? There you go. Well, because, you know, Hayley Atwell. Yeah, but... Hayley Atwell. If you watch it... Yeah, but Hayley Atwell. Hayley Atwell. You're not wrong. Hayley Atwell. You're not wrong. Hayley Atwell. You are not wrong. When she kicked that Nazi that she didn't have to into the wall... Ah, that was quite good. I got pregnant. (laughs) I will... And that's not even how biology works. I know, but, like, Um, that's the power of Hayley Atwell. I'm just saying. What is your number four? My number four, and this honestly surprised me, Mm. um, was the finale. Interesting. You're wrong, but continue. Again, mostly, <laughs> mostly, mostly because of the action. Yeah, it was. It was solid. Mostly because of the action. It was if solid. I'm honest. Natasha motorbiking up a building. Yeah. Like uh, while Captain Carter's legging it across the rooftops. With yeah. A really nice parallel. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, tendrils holding a kaiju-sized Ultron. And, yeah. Tentacle you know, ball. Love a tentacle ball. Love a tentacle ball. Um, <laughs> love a ball of tentacles. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I just thought the action was neat, and the only real dip in it. As we mentioned, was the uh, sort of the the what do we call him the the Killmonger twist? Yeah, or the it, Killmonger it's quote also, it's al- twist. It's also it's also it's also oh god, what's it called when something's like, signposted? It's signposted yeah. so much, yeah, and yeah. then in the main fight, the fact that he barely takes part in the main fight, yeah, is also like where is he? Like you've got two just flat out humans here. You've got Black Widow getting stuck in. And you've got freaking... I mean, fuck's sake, when they show up, she fights them. Yeah. Like, she fights a bunch of super-powered people. Like, yeah, she doesn't give a fuck. Like, and, you've got, and you've got T'Challa, who is ultimately a human with jet boots and lasers. Yeah. And he's getting stuck in. Doesn't have his heart-shaped herb, doesn't have his Black Panther tech. Killmonger, where are you in this fight, man? What's going on? Um, but th- the visuals of it were really cool. Yeah, they so were I, really I see cool. why. I see why. I see why it's higher on your list. Yes, it may. It's my second to last one, but I see why it's higher. on Yes, your list. I, I, it's not going to win any prize for the script writing department, but it was less. The I the problems I had with other episodes did more to distract from the good stuff of the episode than this one did. But to be fair, there's not much in it. Like in the, the the middle sort of. The middle five of my list is actually not much in it. Fair it's enough. just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> my four is what if four were an only child? All right, okay, okay. Um, I, oh god, I, as I was watching it, like on 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 transmission, as I was on watching it on on the first day, I was like. Is this a bit too left of field? Is this a little too goofy? Mm. And on reflection, yeah. And it's what the series needed at that point. Oh yeah, totally. totally. It was it dabbled in comedy in ways that didn't work. Absolutely. And then it did. And then it went. Fuck it. This episode is going to be a comedy. Yeah. It's just a comedy. Cat Dennings is going to marry a duck in a suit. Sure. Um, it's going to end with the oh mother, we've the room was always tidy. Yeah. Like ploy. I, I, it's just it, it knows what it is, and yeah. it and it allows Natalie Portman to shine as sort of the straight man to this comedic happenstance, but not a stiff. Which no. is the war I was like, oh god, Jane's gonna be like really annoyed and stiff up a lip and all that. And it's like, no, they they played it off as her being like, okay, I let my hair down for a bit this weekend, but we should probably uh, we should probably clean up this mess, yeah. right, guys? Yeah. Um, uh, Hemsworth is Hemsworth's always funny when he's like but, being funny. Yeah. He's a he's very just, talented he's comedian performer, funny. and now we know he can do it vocally. Like yeah. he can be very funny vocally, which is cool. The cameos of other cosmic people just dicking around at this frat house yeah. party on Earth is fun. Like the idea that Nebula's look, 
like sneaking off to gamble for a new love eye. It. Love it. It's just weird, and I love that. Kat Dennings obviously got a great comedy actor. Kobe Smolders is a comedy performer, so yep. she knows what she's doing, even though she was playing the straight, 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 straight man. Yeah. Clark Gregg's on top form with his asides. Very dry. Um, and our 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 Captain Marvel stand-in does a fantastic job as Carol. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh yeah, Tom Hiddleston as as Bro Loki too, and you know, but see, but, Tom Hiddleston as Bro Loki falls a little flat for me, but that's just because it's Tom. Hiddleston. He's still posh. It's yeah, it's kind of like, mm. but I also I for me I found that funny because it was so kind of like oh god what yeah, it's sort <laughs> of like <"Ugh." laughs> um but but the com the comedy the comedy was the strongest thing of the, of the episode like the strongest part of this episode yeah the standout bit was the slapstick comedy of the round the world punch up between yes, Thor and Captain Marvel. Good. That was very cool because it was it was ticking that fanboy box of yeah but who would win in a fight between it's like turns out Captain Marvel to the point where Thor feels so threatened he cheats and just puts the hammer on top of her and he's yeah. like right you stay there lame person yeah. I'm done now see everyone I won it's like you fucking didn't <laughs> she was seconds yeah. away from wiping you off the face of the earth I, I think this this uh, with a couple of with a couple of missteps like posh street loki um, I think this episode really worked and I thought it was really good fun which is why it's my number three hey um, and I mean come on they have a wily e. coyote and, and roadrunner yeah. punch up in a desert yeah. that looks like it's out of one of those Looney Tunes it's great and you know Cat <laughs> Dennings marries Howard the Duck it's fabulous Cat um, Dennings and Seth Green got married Short Kings. Yeah. Short Kings and Short Queens. Short Kings. We stand Short Kings. You know she's engaged to Andrew WK, right? Yeah, which who is the opposite of a Short King. Yeah. He's like seven foot two. Yes. Um, and they are like insanely like bigging each other up on social media yeah. all the time with, I love their, it. with their project. They're not like posting lovey dovey stuff. Yeah. They're just going like, he's fucking amazing, isn't he? Have you heard he's the good. new song? And he's, he's like, good. she's incredible. Did you watch this thing she was in? It's like, this is really sweet. It's good. We that, like we stan it. When it's time to party, we will get engaged to Cat Dennis. Yeah. Um, well done. Well, uh, I don't think that, no, that's not how that works. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's it's fun and funny and has, it, it's, it has fun with the concept in a way that a lot of the other episodes don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why it's your number three. That's why it's my number three. I'm sorry to say my number three is a bit bleaker than that. Okay. My number three is uh, what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Because I, I didn't see a murder mystery coming. I didn't no. see that that was where that's we were fair. going with this. That's fair. So when it happened, I was like, is this is this the superhero version of a whodunit? Is this... This is interesting. Is because... this the whodunit we deserve? <laughs> or is it the whodunit we need right now? It's definitely... It was both for me. Yeah. It's because I was... It's like... Okay, from the moment it begins and Tony dies in the in the the diner, yeah, you realize that okay, we're gonna watch the the pre Avengers get bumped off one by one. How are they gonna do this? And mm. I, I was I think what won me over and why it's my number three, why it's so high on my list for me is I was surprised by the creativity of the kills. Yeah, like, I didn't expect like to to that be whole surprised. Point especially, I thought was really oh good. incredible, like just oh. I, it, because you, you watch it going, what the hell's happening? Why is he bulging? And they're like, oh my God. And then later on, well, yeah, he shot him with a load of like pin particles, growth pin particles, and it fucked up his DNA. Mm. It's like, that's incredible. Mm. Like Hulk. Um, and the fact that we sort of, it also was that little nerd tick box tick of we're finally getting acknowledgement of the events of Incredible Hulk 
in a thing with the characters as we know them from past Edward Norton. Like, we got Betty Ross again. What if gave us Betty Ross again? About damn time. Mm. Wasn't Liv Tyler, but it was a damn good Liv Tyler stand-in. And they did that thing where they kind of made him sort of look like both Mark Ruffalo and Edward Norton, even though he's voiced by Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I thought that was a neat that was a neat Because when he shows up later on in another one as Mark Ruffalo, it's like, no, that's Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. flat Mark Ruffalo. That one is sort of a hybrid. And it's like, fair enough. Fair enough. Because we all know that it wasn't him in that movie. So fair dues. They chicken out with that in the Killmonger episode because it's just Don Cheadle. Yeah. Like, they didn't even give him, like, a moustache to be like, you know, oh, Rhodey had a moustache in the first film, so let's give him a moustache. It's like, no, it's just Don Cheadle now. Um, damn. Damn it. Uh, uh, sorry. Sorry, I'm late, Pepper. I had a shave just before uh, I got yeah, here. Yeah, Oh, no worries. Thanks, okay, Rhodey. It's me. I'm shaved. Let's move on. Um, Did you just walk up to the armour and say, this time, this baby? This time, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed that a lot, and I thought Lake Bell... Lake Bell carried the first half of the episode of Black Widow really well as our protagonist. Yeah. And then Samuel L. Jackson, like, helped it absolutely stick the landing as Fury for the latter half of the episode. Samuel L. turning up. Yeah, because that was the most we got of him as well. That was the yeah. most we got of him, and he did a, he did a really, really fun he job. He always turns up, Samuel. I, I liked it a lot. Um, and also, one, one, one of the criteria for me to where I've put them all is, like, how do they actually fit? Okay. Do they make sense? This one, I bend that rule slightly because it's like, Hope was never a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Like, not in the field in that way. Well, no, the, the suggestion is that that is the divergent point. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. like, that's that's interesting. What led to that? Yeah. You don't really get the what if there. But yeah. it gave us an excuse to do a murder mystery yeah. with superheroes. Yeah. And that makes me happy. And I and I liked the little return to it briefly, that world in the finale, to see what's happening. Yeah. and Yeah. So, yeah. It works. Number two. Number two with a bullet. I, yeah, I'm interested to see. I know which two yours are, but I'm interested to see which order they're in. Okay. Uh, well, it is one we've already talked about. Yes. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, we, we've talked, we've talked about at least one of your number two. Yes. Or one of your two remaining. One so. of my number twos. Um, we're always talking about my number twos. Uh, this, <laughs> this one, one is. This one's very solid. Mm. You must be very proud. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm not just making it on a fiber. Pinch it um, right off. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Um, what if Peggy Carter became the first Avenger? Okay. Um, okay. Because it was pretty much everything I expected it to be. And that was exactly what I wanted. Um, <laughs> it is the first Avenger <laughs> with Peggy Carter as Captain America. And then I liked the way it sort of... I think this was the best example of them doing a story we've already seen with a twist. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other episodes that I've liked out of this series have been more, okay, let's just do something completely different from what yeah. actually happens. Whereas this, I, I felt was, okay, well, let's just redo the first Avenger, but let's switch a character around and explore where that takes us. And I just thought it was really good fun. Brilliant action. Like I say, Sebastian Standards had that a slightly uh, uncomfortable performance, but... The stuff with Peggy and Steve works really well, mm. especially considering it's not Chris Evans. Um, yeah, uh, Josh Keaton. Uh, yeah, uh, he pops up a few times in the series, but mostly as Steve, and he does a really good job. Yeah, um, I the, the the spectacular Spider-Man himself. Yep, um, I, I love the the way that they end it with the a big technical monster, and then that being her displacement. Yeah. Thing. Um, yeah, I just thought it was really strong. Henry Atwell's great in it. All the returning cast are great. 
great action, looks great, exactly what I wanted from the concepts. Ross Ross Marquand's best turn in the series as well. Oh yeah, as, as, as yeah, Red yeah. Skull because he does a pretty, he does a pretty. We didn't mention this. He does a pretty amicable job as Ultron in the last two episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do wonder why they didn't get Spader because that that it was a little disarming because he did he did a great job with it. Yeah. But it was a little harder to sell simply because Spader has such a distinct voice. Yeah. Like it, really, really distinct voice. And as a great performance as Ultron as well. Yeah. So so Mark One did a great job with him in the last two, but it, it I wonder if I wonder if the last two would have just sort of felt a little more kind of together if it had been Spader. Maybe. But he did a great job as Red Skull. In your number two. Yes. What if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Yes. My number two is uh, number two. Uh, what if T'Challa became a Star-Lord? Okay, so you like this a lot more than I do. I, I like this a lot, and I, I I think it's because of how fucking out there it went. Yeah, it did like, go very weird. It, it, in some really nice ways. It, 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 Palette-wise, after I watched the first, the first episode, I was like, this is really fun, but it feels like they're holding our hand a bit, to me. The fact that week two did a... You know, Doctor Who, the end of the world, episode two thing of just, and now here's everything. Yeah, yeah. I kind of appreciated that because it was like a, it was like a slap to the face with a, a bag of candy. It was like all of this is interesting and tasty, I and think, I am intrigued. I think for me, it was the base concept just wasn't as interesting as, uh, as sure, it yeah, been. yeah. So like the idea of T'Challa being Starla, I'm just like, it feels a bit mad libs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, when, I remember, like, when I first saw the title of it, I was like, what? But with that one, once I got past that, yeah, the thing that sold it to me was that the, the change, the twist, the what if, yeah, really was Yondu didn't do it himself and collect the child. Yeah. Craglin and Taserface did it. <laughs> because we like Craglin and Taserface. So they just scanned for alien like life signs. Yeah. Found a giant fucking meteorite-sized like signal coming from Africa. Found the border of Wakanda and just took the first child they saw. Yeah, like once I got over that being like that comedy idea, I was like, sure, okay. The fact that he coincidentally looks the same as him is like okay. That's like the, the costume of Star Lord, like yeah. the purple version. It's like okay, that's that's what I buy him like using the tech, but like just a purple version of the short jacket and everything. It's like, I feel well, like, I feel like his outfit would be a bit different. It's a rather jizzy jacket, in it? Yeah, but I feel like so. it'd be, be a little more T'Challa. Like, why would it be purple? Like, it doesn't, do you know what I mean? It doesn't, I don't know. That was nitpicky as well. But I, 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 I like the fact they play, it felt, that was the episode that to me felt the most like an, a, an issue of what if. Yeah, Okay. Because it's sort of the good issues of what if, not the fucking like secret invasion tie-ins and stuff where it's it just it's all about politics and you're like, really? Like alien invasion, show me something more interesting. Um Show it, me the alien. I didn't mind the Thanos thing because it led to Gamora uh, not Gamora, it led to Nebula's inclusion. Yeah. And I really liked um Chadwick Boseman and Karen Gillan's like animated on-screen chemistry. Yeah. It was really fun to see. Also, the idea of Nebula, like, not being a tortured soul because she was never tortured yeah. beyond her eye. Like, her eye is the only thing. And the rest of us are totally fine. And she's obviously on shaky ground with her dad, but has forgiven her enough that she's like, I'm not going to kill you get revenge. I'm just going to move on with my life. And like, also the long blonde hair is a really good look. Yeah, and, and, and it's a nod to Nebula's 
like hair in the past and stuff. She's had long hair and stuff in all the comics. Not uh, blonde though. It's blue, wasn't it? It's yeah, blue. Well, she's all blue. You're blue, baby. Um, and but the 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 thing, the two things that cinched it for me was Bozeman having fucking fun in the role. Yeah. Like he's one of the standout performers this series. Yeah. On just on delivery. Yeah. Like he's he he relished this and it's just yeah, this episode was the best use of him. Fucking great he was. Yeah. Like, this episode's the best use of him because it was the one that starred him and it, it gave us just... you know gave us that flexibility for him to play comedy and play the heroic side and I do kind of buy the idea that. A different person joining the Ravagers, a different Earth person being taken up there would affect their relationship with the Ravagers. Oh yeah, definitely. Because and, and T'Challa is ultimately a really noble soul. Yeah, whereas so, Peter Quill's bit of a dick bag. A bit of a dick bag, yeah. And, and obviously not as a kid, but like you, you grow into the person that you kind of like the person you are when you're an adult. There's a seed of that tree in you yeah. when you're a kid somewhere, yeah. and 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 you know, so T'Challa has always been noble. Like the only time he's ever fucked up is when revenge was his motivation in Civil War, and even then, when he has the chance to get his ultimate revenge, he stops because he realizes that no, Zemo should face justice. This has to be done the right way. Revenge has consumed. Revenge has consumed you. I will not let it consume me. And it's like, yeah. well done. So, so I buy that. But also, Benicio del Toro's swole collector. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, like, what that. a fucking fun villain! I'll give you that. Like, so what happens when Thanos is gone out of the villain race? Well, his minions go, "The fuck are you doing?" and instantly gravitate toward the next person looking for power. Yeah, too right. Which says a lot about those four characters. Yeah, um, that they either have like a fetish for following the most powerful person, mm. or they're like, "No, we want to procure power by any means necessary." And if this guy's got all the tech, we're going to join with him. And I love the idea they never explain why he's so swole. He's just swole. He's just got, he's he's just got the massive. stones. He's just massive. He's literally got the stones. Wearing Hella's headpiece and loving it. You know what this means, though? Our number ones are the exact same episode. Yeah, baby! This is... So we got a bit... We, that's a bingo! <laughs> um, our number one episode, joint number one episode, is what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? See, this is the one... That felt the most like a classic what if to me. Yeah, it's that dark is. as fuck. Yes. And it has the downer <laughs> ending of all downer endings. Oh my god, the bleakest and thing ever. Yeah, I just thought it was really good. I'm the bleaker street. Thank you. Thank about, you. Uh, that was a sanctum joke. Bleakest street. Ah! Um, yeah, we talked the house. about it's a house. how good this was. <laughs> it's. It, it, it's a horror it's good. That, that, that sticks to its guns. It's got Benny Wong in it. Benedict Wong makes everything better yeah. by law, but it sticks to its horror guns. It is a horror tragedy through and through. It it tricks you into thinking that it might have a happy ending when you realise that there are two Doctor Strangers involved. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, the Ancient One, you sneaky devil. Like You set it up so that there will be a, a yin and a yang here. There will be a good and a bad strange. Yeah. And the good one's going to win, and it's going to be really tough. And then it's like, <laughs> no, he's going to die. Yeah. He will die. His cape will be ripped to pieces. And scream as and it dies. And scream as it uh, dies. Um, it gave, it, oh, bless her, it gave Rachel McAdams something to do. Yeah. Now, the Doctor Strange yeah. film, the Doctor Strange film doesn't, doesn't not give her stuff to do, but she's so not the focal point of that movie yeah. at all yeah. that it's kind of like, that's a shame. You could have left her out. 
Yeah, you could have tried. It wouldn't have really changed it that much. She and could that's have. A shame, she could have been. She could have been just his best mate in yeah. it. She could have been, um, like someone in his past, and it's a flashback that he remembers that sort of motivates him in some way. Like, and, and here's the thing: one great technique, if you have a small role that's pivotal to another character in a film, is to cast a really strong actor because they will find something in it. Yeah. That that. You know, a lesser actor—not say a bad actor, but a lesser actor who's not as attuned that way—wouldn't find. You can have parts in films really fucking stand out, even though they're like a minute on screen. Because they do their fucking job. Yeah. Or, or, or like, or like the part is written so well that it merges with them yeah, yeah. brilliantly. I mean, because because it can happen sort of by in a beautiful accident. This isn't an example of the first. This is an example of the latter. Stanley and Morats glorified cameo, but the way it's written to suit him and the way he sells it. As a not as a non-performer who's always wanted to perform, you come out of that scene with him and Brody, and you go, "That was really sweet." Mm. Like there's something really nice about the way that's performed. And yeah. then the little subterfuge reveal afterwards, it's like he plays that really well too. And it takes this bit that could just be this weird scene with a random comic book man, and you come out the back of it comic. and you go, "Do you know what I mean?" You come out the back of yeah. it and you go, "Because that's how it was written. It was written as just a random dude." Yeah. And um, Kevin Smith uh, talks to the producer more at uh, Jim Smith. Jim Jacks. Who said, like, who's this comic book guru character? And he was like, sort of a Stan Lee type. And he went, why don't you just write it for Stan Lee? And he went, because I don't know Stan Lee. And Jim Jacks went, I do. We have lunch once a month. <laughs> so we set up the conversation with him. And Stan read it, said he liked it, even though he, ne- he said, I'd never say any of this shit, was nope. the first thing he said. But then he called Kevin Smith up to talk to him. He said, I'm, I'll do it because I'm a ham and I've always wanted to do a part this big. Yeah. But I won't. I, I my wife would never forgive me if I talked about the girl that got away because we've been together for decades ah, okay, and it's yeah. not real. And Kevin was like, "You know, it's not real." And he went, "No, I know, but no." She would. She go. I go home. I know that. I go home, <laughs> I go home to her every night, and she would feel devastated. So that's why they wrote in the little bit where he talks to um thingy afterwards, and he goes like, uh, "Oh, I just fed him a soliloquy from or is it Love Beard." Uh, a vulture tonight yeah. or whatever it yeah. is and 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 they and they throw in that little reference to be like oh i, I made up a story to like make my point to him yeah and that's there just because it was the only caveat yeah, i'll do it if you do that that's good um but the, what i'm saying is that that little moment kind of really makes that sequence in the film and rachel mcadams has the potential to do that doesn't really get the chance to do that not strange so this episode gives us christine played by rachel mcadams rachel mcadams and though she is fridged asterix thrown off a cliff it's not like we don't see her again and again and again giving her chances to play different sides of Christine as the story develops as she reacts to the world changing around her and then gives that absolutely fucking pitch perfect moment at the end where she looks up at Stephen sees what the fuck he's become and if she were a lesser actor this wouldn't work as well Mm. sells the absolute horror of what she sees before her, which instantly shatters every bit of hope he's ever had for this horrible mission he's been on to try and get her back. Yep. You have to play that so carefully, and I think she in particular really sells out this episode. Benedict Cumberbatch does a really good job. Yeah. Benedict Wong does a great job with the little scenes we get with him. I think... Uh, Tilda Swinton does of... fine. She's sort of playing it kind of... Yeah. I foresaw this, so it's sort of monotone. Anyway, bye, Stephen. Like, she, she has a better chance in Endgame to sort of play with the role yeah um but it's just a really good horror yeah it's a really good horror and you get the whole 
like multiple creative deaths thing and the monsters and the creature designs yeah and 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 Cagliostro's library and the crowned hog day loop of the car crash yes oh it's so morbid it's so morbid <coughs> and 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 that absolute spine chilling moment midway through where he started to absorb dark magics the watcher's narrating and you just before he even says anything you see strange stop and kind of look over his shoulder slightly and you feel it in your gut you're like he's about to to say something to the watcher and it's so like <clears throat> yeah and it's still early it's in the series moment. where the watcher's just a visual narration device so he just he's just not there like he doesn't react he's just not there and you're like, why did Strange hear him? And it's just so, it's so I feel eerie. Like he's in the shadow at that moment. Like, the, oh no, the, oh no, he's there. But by the time, by the time Strange turns around, there's no, yeah, there's no oh, frame yeah. anymore. There's no kind of like thing for him to look at. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, oh, yeah, it's a and, really neat moment. Which adds to the desperation at the end when the universe is crumbling around him, and it's his fucking fault. And it's just him and like the body of Christine in this void of nothingness, and he screams for help to the watcher who has to finally sort of lean in and be like mate I can't do shit <laughs> like you did this until yeet yeah. <laughs> like it, it's watch the, it out it's the episode that works the most perfectly on its own I think it's the best what if of the what ifs yeah that's why it was our number one yeah it was our number one. But do you disagree, boys and girls? Let us know. What are your thoughts? BigDamnContact at gmail.com. If you want to send us a truncated top nine, you don't want to write a full email out, you can tweet it to us. At BigDamnCast. Doesn't hurt, does it? Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Uh, should we pop emails through it next week? Should we save them for next We've week? We've only got one. Oh, is it what if related? No. Oh my it, God. It's, right, it's... go on. We'll have a little email. This one comes from good old Ian. Old Ian? Good old Ian. Is that the later timeline version? He's not old. He's so old. Um, He's so old. It says, so last week during the podcast, Matt asked Chris to answer the question at least twice. Hmm. The correct line is, answer the question, damn your eyes. Yeah. Answer the question, damn your eyes. Um, Oh, finish series three of Ghosts just after we recorded as well. And fucking hell, it's so good. Also. so, so good. I watched Diana the Musical. And as you two (laughs) are both performers of the stage variety. I thought you'd I've en- seen a clip. I thought you'd enjoy some of my favourite lines. I want to get drunk and watch. Have you seen anything? No. Nope. So it was an off-Broadway production, yep. American, fucking obviously, because they fetishise the royals in a way that's even weirder than us because they do it while also thinking we all talk like Cockney urchins. Um, it was an off-Broadway production. Uh, it had its time. One of Bon Jovi wrote it, like the guitarist from Bon Jovi co-wrote it. Richie Sambora. Yeah, and Fuck off. and. Uh, it then got a Broadway run no. that only was a few preview days no. in before the lockdowns began last year. So it hasn't returned yet, but last summer they got the cast together at the theatre, like quarantined for three weeks beforehand and all this stuff, and they shot a staging of it because they didn't know if they were going to be able to come back when Broadway reopened. Obviously they didn't know if it was shows that would have been like scheduled. Have come back. Shows that would have been scheduled for twenty twenty two or what have you would have gone into those slots. And as it turns out, it's been a mix. Like some shows have come yeah, back and yeah. some shows have not come back to give way for the shows that were meant to start around this time. Yeah. They filmed a version of it. I've seen one short clip where the paparazzi 
sing about money in the bank being... Oh, oh no, get, we'll oh, get there. Is the lyric we'll in the... There. Oh, yeah, my God. We'll get there. The lyric is the most yeah. atrocious thing I've ever seen in my life. So, and they all sing it in thick Cockney accents. And some of the paparazzi are wearing suicide vests. What? Suicide bomb vests under their big coats. Why? Because, oh, it's going to be the death of her. Fucking hell. So, um, Ian's given us some... some uh... Barbara Cartland is a character in it. She appears sporadically like a narrator, like a fucked up Rocky Horror Show. So Ian's given us some <laughs> some lyrics. All right, I'm no intellect, but maybe there's a discotheque where the prince could hear Prince and we'd all get Funkadelic. I already want to die. I may be unwell, but I'm handsome as well. What? That's okay. He just ran well with well, but still. Well, I could use a prince to save me from my prince. Rowing Prince with Prince, but once capitalised. Um, it's a thriller in Manila, but with Diana and Camilla. Uh! <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Can they survive our royal horror show? Serves me right for marrying a Scorpio. <sighs> and finally, yes? as you've teased... Oh, careful, let me flew jump. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Match, for those listening at home, Match plays out of my shoulder. Better than a Guinness... <laughs> Yeah. Better than a wank. Yeah. Snatch a few picks. It's money, money in, in the, the bank. bank. Jesus fuck, we've got to watch that. We've Ladies, got to. We've got to see it. Here's your challenge, folks. If you listen to the show on the regular and you're not a patron, for as little as one pound, might I, might I say, for the first tier, if before the end of October we get three more patrons which also gets you onto the discord server and any exclusive stuff that we put out or previous stuff we'll go through there first if we get three new patrons before the end of this month just three tiny target but if we get three we will record a commentary for diana the musical which will be available to patrons <laughs> i hate sometime that, I next hate month you've committed me to this no because here's the thing i hate that, that means me to this. we have to watch it and then watch it again to record a commentary no no no. Three patrons. Make this man say do yes. Have, do we have to watch it again? To do a, can we do, do we not do a first time commentary? Yeah, lame commentary if we were just being quiet the whole time. No, because I, I don't we think... We could put I the could, subtitles on. I don't think I could be quiet. We could quiet. put the subtitles on that on low volume. Oh, we'll, fuck it. We'll just watch it twice. We'll okay. watch it twice. Diana the Musical. But only if we get three new patrons before the end of the month. So, there's your challenge. Patreon.com. We'll watch it twice and we'll get bullets both times. Patreon.com slash bigdamncast. Um, thanks for joining us this week. We love your eyes and the sockets there within. Yeah, tasty. Good, itchy, tasty. tasty. Oh yeah, did you see the Resident Evil trailer? That looks like someone made a Resident Evil fan film. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it. <laughs> That's does. no bad thing. Woo!